Oh, hi. Welcome back. <laughs> so don't take my word for it. My name is Vasti. I'm your host. And this is a weekly podcast where I aim to share with you the things that I am learning. And for you to come alongside me and try to be better. Better Christians. Yeah. So I aim to motivate you, to encourage you, and to challenge you for that purpose. But my biggest purpose is actually... To get you to do personal Bible study. Because I can say a lot of things. Other people can say a lot of things. But you should always go back to the source material. Which is the word of God. And hopefully you get inspired to do that on your own time. And whether that be with the material I am sharing. Or with something you're already working on. The point is for you to have that time. doesn't matter what it is. uh, As long as it's in God's word. So welcome back. Today we'll be talking about the story of the ten lepers. The reading I will be focusing on today is found in Luke 17, verses 11 to 19. As I understand it, I don't think that there are parallel accounts in the other Gospels. Um, At least not that I have found them. So let's hit there real quick. Luke 17, 11 to 19. And this is what it says. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith had made thee whole. As I was reading this passage, it came into my mind that I don't really know what the rules were at those times for them to deal with this sort of stuff. And I thought it was interesting to just look a little bit into that. And so if you're interested in looking deeper, because I'm going to superficially tell you some of the things I found, but there's a lot. Uh, It's in Leviticus 13, verses 1 through 17. And actually, I think all of Leviticus 13 deals with different types of skin imperfections. Um, So if you had a, a swelling, a scab, a bright spot on your skin a boil, anything like that, each had a specific procedure and involved presenting yourself to the priest and the priest evaluating you and saying whether you were unclean or not and then the different rules of isolation um, and all of that came from the evaluation of the priest. And so what it seems to look like, due to my understanding, is that 
Leprosy was sort of a blanket term in that time for anything that looked suspicious in the skin, like it could be an infectious disease or something else. Um, and so uh, there were different measures that were taken. Um, for example, if a priest would look at a sore and there was white hair on the sore and it looked like it was deeper in the skin, he was declared unclean uh if if there was a white spot in the skin but it didn't seem like it was deep into the skin and there was not any white hair coming out of it then this person was to be sent uh not sent out but they were isolated under supervision for seven days uh my understanding is that the differences is that if there was us an in understanding that it was deeper into the skin and there was some appearance of raw flesh coming out, you were declared unclean and you were not isolated. So there was no quarantine for you. You were actually excluded from being in the camp. So you had to be outside of the city. Um, and special occasions for, uh, I, I'm guessing, people of higher uh, position, they had special accommodations for them. But for the most part, you were out on your own <laughs> in the wilderness. Um, now, if it wasn't quite clear what was going on, then you would be isolated or quarantined under supervision for seven days. If after the seven days that hadn't spread, uh, you have another seven days, you would be in isolation. And when that time was done, if the sore was turning dark, it was declared to be a scab. And so the person would have to wash themselves, uh, clean their garments and all of that. Um, and then they could present themselves back into, into public. Um, it's interesting also that there is a a part of scripture that says that if they had this white discoloration all over their body, that then they were to be understood to be clean. And a lot of people debate over whether that was the fact that new skin was growing over um the the problem area and that just mean your body was gonna you know heal uh other people say that that might be indicative of other types of diseases of the skin and so if it was all over the body and it all looked the same and it wasn't deep into the flesh and there was no raw skin exposed that they were declared clean which i thought was interesting so it's fair to assume that if something looked like it wasn't normal, you were going to be looked over. If it was evident that it was leprosy, like actual leprosy, what we consider leprosy, which is called Hansen's disease, then you were excluded out of everyday life and you couldn't approach anybody. Uh, even to greet someone, you had to be afar off. And I thought that was interesting. Now that we've talked a little bit about uh, some of the evaluations and 
uh, the things that have to happen, whether you're considered to have some sort of sore or skin issue that's not really known, whether it's unclean or not. Uh, let's talk a little bit about our reading. So when I was reading uh, where it starts in verse 11, the first thing I immediately noticed was that uh, the ten lepers were afar off. And in the context of the story, this is because they are lepers, so they have been cast out of society, and they are not allowed to go within X amount of distance of people that are not sick. Because if they cross that line, then they, they could be considered unclean too, and they have to be uh, set aside for seven days themselves, I assume. Um, I went very superficially over some of those rules. If you're interested in more of that, look into Leviticus 13. There are a lot of rules and different responses the priest have, had to have according to what the appearance of the skin disorder uh, and then like exudates, what color they were, how the clothes were stained while you had that. Uh, just a lot of different things that I didn't think I needed to mention here. And also, I don't know enough, but if you're interested, uh, go check it out. But there was a distance that they were supposed to have, and they get, couldn't get close to anybody. And uh, I think it's a beautiful metaphorical way to understand how how distanced we were from Christ and from all of the good things he had for us when we were in our sins. Um uh, but but them being far off, you know, isolation, they don't have the same supplies other people have. Plus, they're suffering slowly to their death because there wasn't really a, a cure for, for this disease. Um, and uh, another interesting thing is that in verse 14, it says, Christ saw them. And I don't know why that impacts me so heavily. Um I looked up the definition of that word uh, in my app. It didn't quite show up. And so I used a website called Bible Hub. Um, I'm not sure if it's the best or not, but it's a good way to compare different types of versions of the Bible. But they also have a Greek tool. And so if you go under there, it separates the pieces and the phrases and it tells you from what, what root word it comes from. Apparently, the word saw comes from the word edon. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I-D-O-N. Um, which means to properly stare at, to discern clearly, or to attend to. So this seems to indicate he was basically maybe squinting at the distance and saying, okay, let's talk to these people. They deserve my attention. But I don't know. To me, when I read that Christ saw them... It, it has a heavier meaning because <laughs> there is so much that he had to do. And presently there is, I mean, God is everywhere all at once. And he sees everybody in the place that they are at. And, uh, well, that is beautiful to me. Moving on from that. Uh, it's It's interesting to me that Instead of healing them in the spot or doing something to insinuate like the process has begun, <laughs> uh, 
he doesn't do any of that. He just tells them to go to the priest because the priest has to certify them. But nothing has happened for them to go to the priest. I mean, they still look the same at this point. They're still unclean. They're still rotting. And um, I think we, we get used to listening to a story and we think that that's normal. But just imagine receiving that command. You're still falling apart. The problem is still very clearly visibly there. And Jesus tells you to go to the priest. Go get checked. Yeah, you go do the thing. They're, they will certify you and you'll be clean. And they probably thought, but I still look the same. <laughs> I'm still in the same condition. So I don't know what they thought. But they all, all ten of them, went on their way and walked to the priest. And it says this, as they moved, sorry, and it says that as they moved to see the priest, that then they were healed. And that one of them noticed that he was healed and ran back to glorify God and thank him for what he had done. Um, which it's interesting because it says with a loud voice, he glorified God. But he went and fate and fell face down to Jesus, which means that he he was inherently identifying God with Jesus in some way or another, which is a deeper thing that we need to see here, especially because he was a Samaritan. And Samaritans, if you didn't know, were regarded by the Jews as ignorant, not pure lineage, not religious. However, if we assume, because Jesus said that this was a Samaritan, and he he afterwards asked where the other nine are, we can assume that the other nine maybe were Jews because they weren't highlighted as a Samaritan or as a strange man. Um, So this Samaritan, which was regarded as not part of the lineage, ignorant and not religious, acted better than the rest of them who continued on with their lives. There's stuff that's not explicitly said here. Um, and, and this is according to my understanding. I would love for you to read it and come to the same conclusion. And if you don't come to the same conclusion, then you'll learn something that maybe I don't know. What I understand it to mean is that when they were on their way, this guy noticed that he was already healed even though he hadn't got to the priest. And I don't know whether he went to the priest after he talked to Jesus and thanked him, or if he did that and then returned to Jesus and found him somewhere else. Um, the, the point here is that the other men, after they were uh, declared clean, I, I'm not sure, but they probably had to isolate for uh, under observation a few days before they could go back to their daily life. Um, I, I don't know enough to tell you whether, you know, there had to be certain, I'm sure their clothes had to be cast out. They needed new clothes. I don't know if they had to shave. Probably some of those ritualistic things had to happen. So it wasn't immediate is what I understand. Uh, and so what is interesting is that that means that 
a time went by and these other people continued with their lives as if that would have been normal. But this one man was like, this is not normal. I would still be out there if Jesus wouldn't have told me to go to the priest and I wouldn't have exercised my faith to to be clean. And he did not go back to his daily routine in life and to his family. He went back to Christ to thank him. Um, and again, that's not something that's explicitly written here, but I think we can kind of fit that in somewhere. I don't know exactly when that happened and what was the order of the events, but we can assume that if he goes back into his normal life and the others did so too, that they had to go through the ritual and that um you know a few days had had to have passed at some in some format and i don't know what that format looks like um uh another beautiful thing is that when he tells him to rise go his way your faith has made the whole i'm assuming that this means take back your life with which you were not able to continue for however long he was sick. But he also says his faith has made him whole. And I looked up the word whole. Um, all I could find uh, was basically uh, you were cured. His faith cured him. But I also wonder if if he got saved here. If he, if he got... Yeah, because... Even though the definition of the word doesn't say that, the fact that he he came back and was praising God, but came to Jesus, to me demonstrates that he had an understanding of who Jesus was that many other people didn't. And so he saw God and Jesus as the same thing, uh, possibly. Um, it doesn't say that, again, explicitly, but his actions lead me to believe that at least, for the very least, he understood that Jesus was the Messiah. Um, that's what I think. Again, it doesn't explicitly say that anywhere. Uh, but it, it would be interesting. Uh, I mean, I hope that that's what that means. That this man's faith not only cured him of his disease, but perhaps the fact that he saw Jesus as who he came as. Messiah. Also being God, but also man. Uh, maybe got his soul saved. I don't know. Um, maybe you know more than I, uh, and you have the answer to that, but it would be interesting. Um, let's make a few notes for application, because I tried to do this for myself. Uh, it's, it's a way that helps me kind of internalize what I have read and what I understand and how that can apply to me personally. And I think one of the things we can think, at least I, I thought, is that God might challenge me to make moves as though I am healed or though a problem has already been dealt with, but it doesn't look that way. Or physically, humanly speaking, that is still there and the problem is still happening to our understanding but god might challenge you to make a move as though it is no longer there 
and in the process of you exercising your faith, because what it looks like does not match with the move that you are being asked to do, when you exercise your faith and move, then that commences the resolution of the thing. And um, I find that, uh, I know that that is something that can happen, but I wonder how different it can be for different people, right? Because it doesn't mean that if you can't move your legs, that now after listening to this, you're going to be like, well, I'm going to go tell my friends to pull me up and then I'm going to try to stand on my own. Although that very well could happen as a miraculous event, I don't know that that's what's being said here. I do think that what it means is that if God personally is moving you to do something that you think doesn't match up with what your circumstances look like, uh, that you have to move. And as you move in that direction, something is going to happen that will solve, according to his will, the problem. And I don't know if that will look exactly like what we think it should look like. Um, but that, that's interesting to me because the application might, it's, I don't think it's just anybody can do something against what they're going through right now. And that will work. I think it's specific to if God challenges you personally, and you know that you're being told, uh, to do something or to move in a certain direction. Uh... Another thing that I tried to, I'm going to try to apply to myself is that I need to be thankful and glorify God when he moves to my aid. Uh, we can very quickly forget uh, the good things that had happened to us, which were a really big deal at one point, And even a few hours later, we will forget if we don't make note of it. I don't want to ever be that way. And so... I think sometimes we have to be purposeful about being thankful and looking for all the little things. Uh, When he has moved to my aid, I know that there have certainly been a lot of things that he has done for me. And not all of them are complete fixes, right? Like, I have just recently gotten some specialty glasses. And I think they're going to help me deal with my situation with my eyesight. Um... However, that does mean that when I do wear them, I have to keep them on and I have to get used to the different way in which these work, right? I have been provided something, but I have to wear it and get used to how different it is in order for it to help me. So it's not that it's just going to be, it's not always going to be bing bada boom it's perfect, just like it used to be and what I was accustomed to. I have to get used to a new curvature in a lens. And it feels really weird, but I'm trying to do it anyway. And I know that God provided these for me, and so I just have to do the thing. Um, another thing I'm trying to apply to myself is the path to healing or to a resolution of a problem may not make sense. And we see it very obviously here in this story where these people are told to go present themselves as if they are healed when they very clearly were not yet. But I have two other examples that if you want to study um, will be interesting for you too. Naaman 
the story of Naaman. He was a leper. Uh, and he was told, <laughs> uh, he, he was expecting that he was going to show up in a prophet's house. And the prophet was going to come out and say, oh, I don't know what he was expecting. Uh, some grandiose thing and maybe smoke was going to come out and he was going to float like Beauty and the Beast and be transformed. I don't know what he expected, but to the very least, I think he expected to be in person treated by this prophet. That didn't happen. The prophet sent his servant out and his servant said, yeah, you got to go wash in a, a little dinky river really far away from here. Uh, and you got to do it seven times. You can't just go like one into the water. And he was really mad <laughs> because first he thought the prophet should go see him himself because he was important. I mean, this is my assumption. I don't know. I think that's what was going on. And second, he was like, there are plenty of other rivers that are a lot better <laughs> than the river you are sending me to. They are closer. And why seven times? This makes absolutely no sense. But I think one of his servants tells him, hey, if he would have asked you to do something harder, would you have done it? And he said yes. And so he just went and did it. And the seventh time he got into the water of the dinky river he didn't want to go to, he got healed. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> uh, another uh, example I can give you is in John 9, 1-7, where there's a blind man. And there's a lot of discussion of whether he's blind because of past sin, because his parents' sin, and all these deliberations people are having. And Jesus kind of clears that up and is like, hey, that has nothing to do with what's going on here. This poor man's just blind. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't just say, you can see now, and he could see the colors. No, he spits in the ground, he makes some mud or clay, puts it on his eyes. Mind you, he is still blind. <laughs> he puts mud in this guy's eyes and says, okay, go wash yourself. Take the mud off of your eyes, and then you will see. Telling a blind guy to go find some water somewhere and wash off. And I don't know if that meant he had to go find a pool or a river, or if he could... Or if he could just ask Johnny in the middle of where he was to give him some water and wash off. I don't know what that meant. But he was still blind when he's got dirt in the eye now. Um, and he's being told to go wash off. And then once he did, he was, he could see. Does that make sense? Not to a normal person. You would probably think, why not just, you know, say it and, oh, his eyes are opened. And I think that does happen in some occasions, but uh, anyway, it's an example to tell you and to remind myself that the path to the resolution of a problem or to healing may not make sense to us. And that doesn't mean that it's not going to work. It's just really weird because he's creative. I don't know. Um, and the other thing I want to apply to myself is there might be some sort of action that is required of me in all of these cases. All of these people had to do something, whether it made sense or not. Like, go dip in water seven times. What? Or, yeah, I just put mud in your eye. Go wash it off. Even though you still can't see. Go find some water and wash it off. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, There's just... These men were the lepers who were told to walk all the way to the priest... And, you know, they had to do something 
exercising their faith that they believed that that really was going to happen. Lastly, and most importantly, an application I don't want to look over is the fact that I don't ever want to be the kind of person that that just walks off into their normal life after being restored and does not go back to the master and pay him due credit. Um, because I do think that this story, in a way, can be a metaphor to the redemption that we have been given, right? We, we were distanced from God. We, we didn't have a chance to live life fully. Um, and when we are redeemed, because we come to faith in Christ, because we profess that we believe that he is the son of God, and he's part of God, but he was also fully man, and he died for us, and he provided a medium by which we can place ourselves in his holy sacrifice and what he did and his pardon. Um, and by that doorway, we can not only talk to God himself, but also gain access to eternal life. Then can I... I really don't want to be the kind of person that gets that and then proceeds to live on their precious little life the way they want to. And I say that by I already did it for a few years and it didn't look the way that maybe you're thinking. Like I wasn't just out there playing, just doing crazy stuff. Um, although I have made a lot of mistakes and I'm not proud of them. I didn't ever justify them and I knew that they were not correct. Um, but, you know, I had my own plan. It's, it's more of what I'm talking about. Like I had this idea of what I wanted to do and internally somewhere in there i didn't want although i said i would surrender i knew that the idea of that came with if god wants me to do some weird stuff like be a missionary but i have plans to be a scientist that doesn't quite work out and so i thought clearly being a scientist makes more sense and so i went about doing that and never nourished or opened the the door not really not in my heart to say whatever you want is what I'm going to do that's not what happened I basically made a plan and I went on with it and God has blessed a lot of that but I think he has been waiting for me to be in the right point in my life where I can almost a hundred percent I think I struggle with this daily to say what you want is what I want um and I want to do that because I don't want to be like these other nine ungrateful men that were redeemed in their sickness, but then continued on their life and their plans as if nothing had changed. And that didn't look probably a bad way because they were probably Jews, which means they went to the synagogue and they completed all the activities. But their heart wasn't in the right place. And so... I don't know, this is all maybe a little bit gray, um, but that's what, that's probably the biggest application I got out of this, is I don't want to be like that. I I want to be like the man that, before he went on with his daily life, he came to Christ and said, thank you. And then he was the one that told him, okay, now go on with your life. And I'm sure that he received guidance thereon. And so will we. 
And so uh, think about that uh, this week. And if you want to look into some of the other side things for study, um, again, this was Luke 17, 11 to 19. But there were other side things we talked about that might interest you more. So that would be Leviticus 13. And that has to do with the laws of how to deal with different skin disorders um, in the Old Testament, which were still applied at this time. And Jesus was very adamant on following them because if not, he wouldn't have told them to go to the priest. Um, so he wanted to follow the law. Um, and uh, there was another, uh, the side stories that I gave as examples for things that don't make sense. The story of Naaman is found in Second Kings, I believe it's chapter 5. And then the story of the blind man that was made to see, that is in John 9, verses 1 through 7. So you can study this week out of any of those. Uh, and yeah, hopefully you will learn way more than I did. Well, our time is up, but... Thank you again for sharing this time with me and for dedicating some time to something that pertains your spiritual walk with God. He will definitely bless you for it, but you will get even more out of it if you do your own work and your personal study time. You can use the references I just shared or you can do your own study. It doesn't matter to me as long as you are doing your due diligence of uh, a few times a week you know, studying God's word on your own. And start small. Doesn't have to be complicated. Just give it a try. You will see big things happen in your life. So thanks again for being here. I hope to see you next week for our next episode. See you later.